Welcome to the Crazy Dre Podcast, y'all, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is your main man, a.k.a. Crazy Crockett, a.k.a. Andre's Podcast. Brought to you by nobody. This is the main man, 25, 35 minutes. I try to make this short and sweet. I don't try to drag on. I don't try to uh, repeat myself. I am learning how to do uh, podcasting. Um, they tell you that you should have a, a unique voice. I really have a unique, I think I have a very uh, uh, good and bad voice uh, based on my uh, stuttering and my capability or incapability of pronouncing words, just like that. Uh, I created this podcast for myself and other people who are some form of disabled, who need to be heard, have a voice. Um, long story short, uh, I was abandoned as a child. I had a stroke, a seizure, one of those two. Uh, the word out there is not quite sure. There's, there's a lot of confusion about uh, what happened to me. Um, I was brought up in the orphanages in Colombia for about five years. Um, I was adopted, and then I went to school, and then I kind of still had a a difficulty with my own identity and and I would, for the longest time in my life I would always be quiet and be still and not uh, be excluded from uh, events or school stuff uh, being disabled would allow me not to uh, have conversations or make great friendships or or even uh, have normal relationships or being a, a very productive citizen of this country, of America. Um, a lot of times people like me are supposed to be put into an institution, a group home for somebody with a form of disability. Um, I do have some form of a learning disability. Um, I don't... Uh, uh, I don't, I have problems receiving information or new information that may, might, that might be a little complex. So I've always been in a, in a, in a state of, of everything's about me being disabled. Everything's about me not improving my life or struggling. Everything was about me to be not able to, to adjust to classes or adjust to math or reading or, Anything you can possibly think of. Now, being adopted, I was very lucky that I was raised by two parents that cared and loved me and everything else with it. However, when you are as a child, when you grow up as an adult, or you're growing up as a teenager, you are kind of in a situation where where you are kind of left alone. Um, maturity level is very slow or very, um, yeah, I call it slow. Uh, expectations is not there for you. You don't have to have a career. You don't have to have, to have a life goal of getting married or having kids or buying a house or anything like that. So I became into my own little world and I was consumed with information that was not relevant at the time or music that was not relevant at the time, like I would listen to Elvis Presley or 
1950s and the 1970s. And occasionally I would step into the era that I grew up in with the Guns N' Roses and and Bruce Springsteen and Michael Jackson. But then I would go back into my little time warp zone in my room at my parents' house and lock myself into a kind of like this daze or haze of a fixation of my own little reality. And that reality wasn't real. The reality was, uh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I would daydream about being an athlete. I would daydream about being a musical artist. And if for anyone out there that's listening for the first time, you, you know that, or you don't know that I, my left hand does not work at all. And I'm not a vocalist. I can't really sing. So, and of course, I started like crazy as a child, and especially when I was in te- my teenage years, and and I really struggled with stuttering and pronouncing words, and it kind of um, created a very weird, uh, uh, incapable of talking to other people or or even women or girls my age. So, development. The human development, and that's something that I very did not perceive the very well in high school. So even when I was a little kid, I was into, I was in, I was into history. I was into, uh, into the revolution and civil war, and I was into the civil rights movement. And remember, civil rights movement happened in the nineteen sixties. And I was born in the 1970s, and I grew up in school in the 80s. So this is me at about eight years old in the middle of the 1980s, and I'm into the civil rights movie. I see uh, Dr. King. I see Rosa Parks pictures. I see other figures of the civil rights movement in porn. I see Rosa Parks being kicked out of the, they, they took a picture of her being kicked out of the bus of because she would refuse a seat for a white man that came up, that got out of the work. And then, and then the story that I'm going to tell you is the story of Malcolm X. And I did a story about Malcolm X last year, but I don't think it was really good. And I have, uh, sometimes I have problems, uh, um, Telling stories and being a podcaster, it's very important to learn how to narrate or speak to the microphone as as though you're talking to someone directly. So excuse uh, excuse me if I am a little off and not very on, um, not really cu- uh, uh, if I'm not really uh, clear of what I'm trying to say. So, so you wonder why I want to talk about Malcolm X. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I really don't know why either. But I know that I was intrigued by this man, or Malcolm Little, which he was born. Malcolm Little was born in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, He had two loving parents. Uh, His parents were Earl Little and... And Louise Little. And they had about four or five kids. 
and they moved to they moved to Detroit and I'm sorry, they moved to Lansing, Michigan when Malcolm was about six years old. And when Malcolm X or Malcolm Little was six years old or eight years old or twelve or whatever how old he was, his dad uh was ran ran over by uh a car. Uh supposedly it was a racial uh reason. Um Mr. Earl Little, the Baptist minister, uh he supported he supported the black nationalist and the leader was Marcus Garvey, so he was a black nationalist leader. And everything around uh black nationalists was to combine or to help other black people in the community or within the United States to be educated educated, empowered and self sufficient as as a person. So supposedly when Earl Little supported the black nationalists the conspiracy is that when he was doing that uh, verbally, he was killed and ran over. Now, now this explains why Malcolm X is a great speaker. This explains why he became a, a preacher at a Muslim temple, temple number 9 and temple number 11. One in Boston and one in um, in New York. But so when I saw this person, I saw this person speaking, and when I mean speaking, I mean I saw it on on old video of him and and old um, news reel of him, and I was very, I was just very interested in how this person is so so different than Dr. King and Rosa Parks, and see a guy that's light skin with red hair and the only reason I why I know this is because I read his book, his autobiography. So reading his autobiography was really intriguing in itself and his a perspective of his life. It's probably one of the best books out there of an autobiography of a person who lived his life fully. So so you see this man speaking. You see this man speaking about white people and white culture and one of the first things that he says that that I remembered uh reading was that that he changed his name from little to X to represent the fact that he no, he is no longer wanting to be associated with people who enslaved him or his or his ancestors. So that's why he changed his name to X, which is actually a representation of Islam. But I want people I want people to like understand that as my journey of trying to read Malcolm X or trying to understand Malcolm X, I might have been a little bit over uh, influenced by this man. Because the one thing I've noticed about him is I had the same thing in common with him. Is that the fact that a lot of white people didn't like me or a lot of white kids didn't like me even as I was growing up. I was always getting picked on. Uh, uh, guys my age, which was in junior high, elementary, they would get upset if a girl liked me and they didn't, and the girl didn't like them or 
or whatever reason. And when I tried to participate in sports with them, I was mocked. Uh, people didn't. People just didn't. People were forced to be my friend. And people were forced to like me in school. So I never, ever was able to just have a friend, have acquaintances, go out on the weekends during high school. And I was always hovering in my house, in my parents' house. So when I was eight years old, I know I'm bouncing a little bit, but so here I'm reading Malcolm X, and I was, I probably was not eight, I was probably about 12 years old. And I get this book, and I'm fascinated by his life and his choices, and I'm fascinated that at one point of his life he was, uh, he was a little thief. He was uh, Detroit Red, that's why the nick- the, the, they nicknamed him Detroit Red because he had red hair. And he was a petty thief, and he was a little hustler selling drugs. And then one day he gets caught. He goes to the state of Michigan of Corrections, and uh, he moves with his uh, half-sister. His half-sister is from Malcolm X's dad's first marriage. Now, I don't know what happened to his first marriage. It's just the way it is just the storyline so here i see this guy and i'm reading the autobiography of malcolm x and and he falls in love with he falls in love with a white woman and by the sound of it he is they are soulmates they belong together they're keep in touch even after she decides to get married to an old white guy and i think what what I'm reading when I was reading this book, I realized, okay, Malcolm X was a light-skinned black man. He was not a dark-skinned black man like uh, Dr. King and other black men. Now, so that probably explained the reason why he was might have been attracted to other white women. I'm not saying that the darker you are, the less likely you're going to be attracted to white women, but that in itself explains why he might have been attracted to them. So, I guess in the book, the autobiography, and I and don't quote me for this or not, but it sounds like he he was in prison for either one or two reasons. They, uh, the police department or the police, uh, questioned him in a car that might have been his or not, but they questioned him for a a crime that didn't happen or that he did not commit. So so then he was in prison. The other one is the fact that the other version of the story is that he was arrested because he was dating a white woman and they found out about it and then they have came up with a with a reason for him to be in in prison. Now, please don't quote me for that or not. But so this guy Malcolm Little goes to to jail, prison for about six years. His brother is out. His brother's already in prison or out of prison, and then he talks to Malcolm about the nation about Islam, because his brother joined the nation of Islam before he did, or he joined. Islam faith before he did. I don't think he, I, I don't think 
Malcolm X's brother joined the Nation of Islam. But again, I'm not sure. I'm not really telling the story of his, of who and what. I'm just trying to tell the story of why I, why I worship this man as a little kid. So, so here I am, 12 years old. I'm fascinated by this man. I'm just fascinated how he speaks and how, and how confident he is and ensured that he is, and and he's talking to his people. Is black people. And and as he is in prison, his brother introduces him to Islam, and this motivates Malcolm X. Now, Malcolm X learns the dictionary. He memorizes words, every word in the, in the dictionary. He reads a uh, couple law books. He's just, he's just a reader. He's a very disciplined kind of guy. So, so, in in elementary school, his teacher told him that he should not try to be a lawyer, he should try to be a carpenter. Now, I know, again, I'm going back and forth again. So, Malcolm X wanted to be a lawyer, and his teacher, his elementary junior high teacher told him that Malcolm Little should be a carpenter, not a, not a uh, lawyer. So that in itself was really instrumental. And going back and forth and explains how intelligent that Malcolm X really was, the fact that he memorized a dictionary and he read about three or four different books about the Constitution or law or whatever he read, it's not clear what he read. It is clear that he read the dictionary and memorized it. And he can memorize words and he memorize the meaning of the words. And that in itself is fascinating. So when he's in prison, he's doing all this stuff. And if someone encouraged him in, in eighth grade or seventh grade to be a lawyer, he probably would have never gone to prison. So. So Malcolm X joins the Nation of Islam. And Prophet Elijah is the ringleader, or he's the leader of Islam. He's the leader of Nation of Islam. The Nation of Islam is a is a black uh parliament group, not the Black Panthers, but a black group that is based on Islam, the faith of Islam, and it's for the black community. It is the right for the black community to get together to to almost kind of exclude white folks from the circle. And it's almost teaching hate crime or hate speech. So everything white or anything white is a bad idea. If you need help from a white person, you're in, you're you're just a monster. You're an inachievable piece of snot. Okay, so th- the nation of Islam was talking about or taught Malcolm X to be everything white. Everything you know about white, it is the white man's fault for our self destruction. Now Malcolm X, because he learned from this stuff, he associated with alcohol and drugs based on the white man teaching the black man to do all the bad habits. 
by doing bad habits, you start to lose focus on your own life. And then you start to be imbalanced with your soul or your spirit or your or God or Allah. And then he's also speaks of the fact that that the black man is encouraged by the white man to be delinquent and not to be educated and not being able to think for themselves or speak for themselves or or to carry on just average conversation or average life or just having a house or having a car or, or not being uh, accused for a crime that they did not do. Now, a lot of people have problems with Malcolm X. The FBI, the CIA, anyone that you can think of as a government. Because he would also tell or go to black pa Baptist churches and tell black folks that came out of the sermon of a Christian church that Jesus Christ was not Jesus Christ was not white. He was brown complexion. And they sold the and they sold it to the to the black man to be enslaved by white Jesus. Now, everything I'm saying to you right now is very negative information about Malcolm X or it seems negative. Okay? So everything I'm saying right now is a projection of Malcolm X's uh, frustration and anger, okay? He becomes so popular as a speaker of his own religious beliefs that they, that Malcolm X became the minister of Boston, Temple Number 11, and, and it, he was awarded the Temple Number 7 in Harlem. Now, the Nation of Islam, you know, in this case, in this era, in the, in, in the 2023, they, they believe in all multicultural love and happiness or some form of acceptance of the same thing as Christians do. Now, when I was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, it's not a very complex man, a very, a very wondering man. And you got to realize that, that Malcolm X married a black woman, and he was very proud of his wife, Betty, I think that's her name, and she was a very strong and confident black woman. And and they brought up a couple kids with each other. But Malcolm X is a lot different than Dr. King. Now, a lot of people say, well, how's that? One loves, one loves white people and the other one hates white people. One wants uh, love and peace, the other wants war. But Malcolm X never really wanted war. He just thought that if you were to punch him in the face, he has the right to 
defend himself. He, Malcolm X, you know, he's a more logical plus a person than you can ever think of. And I'll give you an example of that. An example of that is a storyline of two different stories. The Freedom Fighters of Dr. Kane and and the story of Malcolm X dealing with the police department in New York City of a young black man being uh, was arrested and beat up. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story of the Freedom Fighters. So Dr. Kane and other white and black ministers got together and said, hey, we need to start forcing ourselves to be served at any place we want in the South. So they took a bus. And they started shipping everyone everywhere in the South. And then they would sit at the bar stool and they would tell that they would tell the waitress at the bar stool, and this is a white establishment, that they were not gonna leave until they served them food. And what happened? It was a lot it was a lot of riots, a lot of fighting, a lot of people going to prison and jail. They didn't go to prison, they went they went to jail. And and even Dr. King went to jail over 30 times for protesting. And everything look, everything from pages and books looks like a peaceful walk. But what happened was in Selma as well is that they would, they would turn into riots. And these riots would then turn into chaos. So then what happened was that, so what happened, so... The difference is this, is that when Malcolm X had a young black man in jail in New York City, and, they, and, and he heard that he was totally beaten up, and he was hurt, and he needed medical attention, he, he himself and his followers, most likely Muslims, came down there stood at the police precinct and stood there and there was between 400 and 4,000 of, of, of young black men and women. Most likely most of them were Muslims. And the police chief goes, runs out there or one of his assistants and says, Malcolm, what are you doing here? What's going on? How can I get you out of here? And, and you got way too much power with, with with way too many people. And Malcolm X simply says this. This is what he said. All I wanted is to make sure that young black man gets medical attention. And I want to make sure that he does. And we're not leaving until somebody helps this young black man. And hold to behold. They sent a medical unit, a doctor, a nurse, or whoever they sent. They checked on him. They gave him a thumbs up. And what happened? Malcolm X left peacefully. So you take two stories of Malcolm X. I mean, you take two st different stories 
one of Malcolm X and one Dr. King. And I think that's what really fascinated about me, about Malcolm X to me is that he was really civilized about the way he thought things through. Now, Malcolm X was a little frustrated with Dr. Kane about not being aggressive enough. But, and I don't know at the time if the Freedom Fighters were after or before the disagreement between Malcolm X and Dr. Kane uh, and how they uh, uh, had their, uh, how to deal with the civil rights movement. So, however, the turnaround for Malcolm X became in a really crucial time. And the crucial time for Malcolm X was his own undoing. And his his own undoing was the fact that when JFK got shot and assassinated, he made a he made a response on the news live TV and says that it seems though as the roosters hatched the roosters came home in that sort of response way. So what that means is that JFK dug himself too many holes or broke too many bridges with people that he said he would help out and then they came after him and they assassinated him. Now, some people think that 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 Oswald shot him, some think that the that that the Russians got to him, they think the FBI got to him. But the fact that he made that statement is really what turned things not so good for Malcolm X. So he was basically by Prophet Elijah, he was told to be quiet for 90 days. He couldn't respond to anybody. He could not communicate with the church or the temples in Boston or New York or Philly or wherever he was. He was supposed to be isolated and eventually they kicked him out. But the story really goes is that that they think that Prophet Elijah's son would have inherited Prophet Elijah's wealth. And by securing that wealth, they had to kick Malcolm X out. Because Prophet Elijah loved Malcolm X. He was a great speaker. He he got to people. He made a lot of common sense theories. He made made it sound like it was a very good plan. And part of the Malcolm X plan was actually telling black people to educate themselves and to read and to write and to own their own businesses and to employ each other and that fathers and mothers are just as important in the black community than anything else. So... That in perspective is why Prophet Elijah loved Malcolm X. Now, I'm not really sure if Prophet Elijah really cared for complete isolation of the white of the white culture or the white people or anything like that. 
But Malcolm X did say stuff like, like they needed more black people as a community, not just in the United States, but around the world. And basically, if I was, I guess if I was a CIA agent or FBI agent, I would maybe see that they, they were trying to combine black countries and the conspiracy would be that all these black countries and black leaders would would uprise and go after the white man but i i don't know i i don't i don't have any answer any statement for that so just understand when i'm what i'm learning from malcolm x when i was a little kid was a lot of stuff and remember the first time i'm reading anything about malcolm x was at the time of 12 and 14 years old. So by the time I was 12 and 14 years old, I was in a point where I just kind of latched on to this guy. And I really don't know why because I'm not a Muslim. I don't really know any black person. We had one black person that went to our church, but they were adopted. Okay. So we went to a church in the hood or downtown Grand Rapids and it's the only, and the only reason why we did that is because my mom wanted to go there because they reminded her at, of her youth it had nothing to do with the fact that she liked to be around other cultures or other people so so remember like we were around black people or, or other uh, nationalities for one day a week okay so that in itself, this is my between the ages of six years old and fifteen years old because that church combined with another church, but it became more a Caucasian church. So, so here I am reading Malcolm X. I see that at the time that he's being kicked out, he starts his own groups. The Muslim uh, mosque, the mosque Muslims, and everything is kind of turning. And he goes into Mecca, and and Mecca is the home place of Prophet Elijah. It's a home place of Muslims that go there to remind them of Allah and Allah's love or God's love and it's like a a a a a journey back home for Muslims so when Malcolm X sees white people and black people and brown people sharing the communion he then understands that at that point that Maybe he was preaching the wrong word, or maybe he was over exaggerating of 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 the white man being the white devil, and that's kind of one of those things I would tell you is this: I really did attach to the idea that I saw this man was able to adjust his philosophy. Unfortunately, his philosophy was cut off too soon because of his own assassination. So he almost did exactly what happened to JFK. The roosters came home. 
So, and in some ways, he just couldn't keep his mouth shut against the nation of Islam. Now, one of the things about Malcolm X is that when he's really dedicated to something, is loyal to something, he wants people to realize that that he is a full-blown Muslim. He is a follower of Islam. He's the orthodox of all Islam of what he believes. So he believes in respect for women. He respects other elders. He respected his own peers. Everything. He stopped drinking, stopped gambling. He did everything that he was supposed to do. And when a, so when he finds out that Prophet Elijah is having affairs with teenage girls, and he doesn't like that because the maturity level of a 16-year-old girl and a 55-year-old man or a 65-year-old man is not a good thing. It's just not, just not appropriate. So, so in some ways, Malcolm X is over morality thinking, and the fact that Malcolm, uh, Prophet Elijah's son was trying to protect his his own inheritance, his own money, his own assets to the church. He needed Malcolm X out of that picture. Not to say that if Malcolm X didn't say anything about JFK, he would have he probably would have been with the nation of Islam still, but I think he would have been exiting the nation of Islam because he wanted the nation of Islam to be more positive reinforcements of the civil rights movement instead of being bystanders on the side of the side of the road or on the bench or on the sideline of an NFL game. He wanted to be he wanted the nation of Islam and he wanted himself to be more involved in an advancement of black people. But everything's really complex about Malcolm X. You see three different perspectives. You see a guy that wants every nation, every nation that is black to, co to combine together. And then he sees a bunch of white people who are Muslim sharing a cup. So he wants to be friends with white people now. And then he wants the nation of Islam to basically stop teaching hate crimes or hate speeches. So, so he's got three different perspectives of himself going at once. And then, hypothetically, somebody from New Jersey's temple in Newton was uh, associated with his own with Malcolm X assassination. So, these political leaders like Dr. King and Malcolm X, they die. And it, and I guess I have this thing about following people who are passed away or died. And I don't know what it is about this. I'm gone from 40 minutes right here. I'm still talking about this. But I want to really tell you that for some reason, Malcolm X really stayed with my state of mind. And I don't know why. And I think I think one thing I learned from Malcolm X is this, is that 
not everyone's going to like you. And you are not supposed to be tall and white and blue eye and blonde hair person. Because I'm not. And to tell you the truth, if I didn't have a cerebral palsy or a stroke, I probably would have been at least 5'9", five 5'10". Five An average man in America. But I think I would have been able to function on my own and carry on about $20,000 more per year and probably would have had my own family. But at the time, it was kind of helpful when I was a little kid to see that not everyone was supposed to be looking like Elvis Presley or the Beach Boys or anybody that my family that I was adopted to. So, and I think it made it easier for me to to adjust my own life. Like, I had to find my own journey. I am still trying to find my own journey. The difference is that all my heroes have died. Like, Malcolm X died. He got assassinated. Elvis Presley overdosed on his own drugs. Uh, even when I was heroic about Dr. Dr. Kane, he was assassinated himself. But here I'm still alive. And a lot of musicians that I looked up to in the 90s, they all died too. Okay. But but for me, the Malcolm X story for me is very different. I'm not your typical black guy. I'm not a Muslim. I don't have the struggles of a black man. I'm haven't really been ever arrested for a a crime that is that would be that would put me in prison. I was arrested for an OWI or DUI. But but that's what really does happen. That's what happened to me in my in about thirteen or fifteen years ago. But I but for Malcolm X for me to have a a heroic moment with somebody that was a political different being has really taught me that other people exist, that other people have different belief systems, that other people have struggles. And it probably made it easier for me to just be around other people that I just I may not agree with. Because I don't know if I would ever agree with anything Malcolm X about Islam. Because I really don't know much about Islam besides Ramadan, and 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 the fact that Muslims uh, pray to the East about five times a day. Uh, they can't eat pork just like the Jews. Um, they don't believe that Jesus Christ is a is God or the Messiah. Think he was a great prophet. So everything I'm learning about Malcolm X is totally contradictory to what I learned about my faith or the faith that I was brought up to. So having someone like Malcolm X or reading about Malcolm X has made it easier for me to just adjust to people. And maybe reading Malcolm X and seeing that he struggled has taught me that I will struggle with my own life as well but I don't have to make it a political stand or something political. 
So, so as you read this, or as you listen to this, remind yourself, or I want you guys to understand, like, people with disabilities, we don't have heroes. We have to leech on to people. And Malcolm X was one of those guys that I just kind of attach on to. Because, and he did teach me one good thing, though. He taught me to create my own voice, to speak up for myself. And that's okay to not always be the nicest guy in the world to people who are disrespectful, disrespectful to you. That's something he taught me. He, he really did. He taught me, hey, you know what? If someone doesn't, if someone's gonna be rude to you. It's okay to put them in the, in the in their place. So I want I want people to to understand that. I'm not here to speak for Islam, and I'm not here to speak for or against Dr. King or Malcolm X or whatever, but I'm here to tell you the truth about why I was a big fan of Malcolm X. I don't even think being a fan, I don't think I want to use the word fan because being a fan is like pretending that he was, a great athlete, but he wasn't. He was just a man, a man that had a conscience, a man that had a mind, a man that had a soul, passion. And that's kind of what I have. I have passion for other things and other lives and other ideas. All right, folks. I'm going to leave it right there. I'd like to thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I recorded myself earlier this week, and I was horrible at it. So hopefully this recording is a lot better. I'd like to thank Buzzsprout for distributing my podcast. I'd like to thank all of my listeners out there. I'd like to thank um, Apple and Spotify for my podcast out there. I'd like to thank uh, anybody that was on my show in the past um, for coming on my show. But... uh. Peace and love, and uh, I hope everyone has a good day tomorrow. When this airs, it's going to be Thursday. No, it's going to be Friday when this airs. So I hope everyone has a good weekend. Um, peace and love, and and good night.